I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peacebuilders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to their communities. Eavesdrop into their conversations and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and their hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, and Dina Zaman, a Malaysian journalist and co-founder of Iman Research. This is She Talks Peace. Salam, dear listeners. This is Amina Rasul from the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy greeting you from Manila, Philippines. And my co-host is here. Hi, Amina. Hello, everyone. This is Dina Zaman from Iman Research, Malaysia. I'll be speaking from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Hi, Dina. How are you doing? What's new in KL? It seems like you will be having elections earlier than usual, huh? Well, I don't want to say much about it because things change in Malaysia. But we read in the news today that there will be a parliamentary sitting on July 26 after this extended emergency and all. So we're really, really happy. How about you? What's happening in the Philippines? Well, Dina, apart from our continuing focus on combating covid Our politicians are now gearing up for the coming national presidential elections, which will be held on May 9 next year. And you know what's really interesting? The list of possible presidential candidates include several women. Uh President Duterte's daughter, who is the city mayor of Davao, Mayor Sara Duterte, seems Uh to be on top of surveys. Uh, yeah, they've been doing surveys for some time now on what we call the presidentials. And apart from her, there are a couple of other women who are in the surveys. There's our vice president, uh, Lenny Robredo. There's Senator Grace Poe, who was also uh-huh. was once a presidential candidate. So it looks like a lot of women are being considered to run for office. But it's really peculiar, Dina, because uh, Uh it seems President Duterte publicly cautioned his daughter from running, saying it is not a woman's job. Not a woman's job? I mean, we've had two female presidents already. We had the late and beloved President Corazon C. Aquino, who restored democracy. And there's President Duterte's very strong ally, Gloria Macapagal Arroyo, who is now in the House of Representatives as a congresswoman. So it's really strange. But what about Malaysia? COVID is also a factor in your politics, right? 
<laughs> yes. Well, I think in the case of Malaysia, you know, if you look at it historically, we've always had women who are very active in politics. So in that sense, we're pretty good there, yeah? Mm. But I think the fact is, in Malaysia, anything political in Malaysia is always tied to a race-based political party that people like me, we Malaysians, are wondering whether we'll ever have a political candidate and a woman, what more, right, mm-hmm. who will actually run for to, to become a prime minister of Malaysia who's not so affiliated to a race-based political party. It used to be that we thought, hey, Nurul Izzah Anwar would be that person. Uh-huh. But now with what has been happening right now with, as I said the last time, we had so many changes in government. I think a lot of people are saying we just want a functioning government. But I do agree with you one thing, that we need to focus on the importance of women's political participation as a key to strengthening democracy and peace. Women bring a lot of value to strengthening the foundation of peace and democracy. I mean, do you agree, Amina? Oh, absolutely, Dina. Survey upon survey, study upon study, uh, the UN Women did a study that if women are engaged actively in politics and decision-making, it has very positive impact on the economy. GDP improves. It has a strong positive impact on the sustainability of the community. And if they're engaged in peace processes as members of parliament or members of government, the peace process becomes more sustainable. So most definitely, political participation of women is a must for democracies like ours. In fact, Dina, you and I have been monitoring ASEAN, right? And ASEAN itself recognizes this. Political participation empowers women and girls, building a stronger community. You've you've gone through the ASEAN Charter, right? And it says the promotion of gender equality and the empowerment of women and girls are consistent priorities for ASEAN. So you've got high-level political commitment from Malaysia, from the Philippines, in advancing the rights and welfare of women and girls. But I don't know if our national priorities reflect this commitment that our governments have given to ASEAN and the United Nations and other international treaties and resolutions. So I was just thinking, Dina, when um, Muhammad Mahathir became prime minister again at the age of what, 90? 92. Yeah. He brought in a lot of strong women MPs into his government, including the deputy prime minister, right? Yes. So how come there are no women who are kind of being thought of as possible material for the prime ministership, prime ministership in the forthcoming election? I think, you know, just like how we Malaysians wonder whether we could ever have a non-Malay, non-Muslim prime minister, right? Mm. I think generally we Malaysians are quite ready to have a woman prime minister. But I don't know what a patriarchal setup that our political parties, you know, have, right, will actually allow for that. For me, and like a lot of my colleagues and friends, yeah, 
What is actually very, very encouraging is to see a lot of young women and women our age who are now stepping in into the roles of activism or political supporters, you know. And granted, COVID has basically killed a lot of the work on the ground. But on social media, you're seeing women being very, very vocal about what is right and what is not right. I'm finding that a lot more Malaysian women uh, they are, you know, they may be based abroad, you know, working yes. for you know, international organizations like INGOs, but they are still very, very invested in Malaysia. Mm. So to me, I tell myself that, okay, it's not perfect here yet, but you do see women, you know, the presence of women leaders, activists, political supporters or activists becoming bigger and stronger and louder. But back in Malaysia itself right now, with our government being like this and no one's questioning whether our current prime minister is actually going to survive. I mean, he's mm. not well, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's asking, who do we have who can become the next prime minister? Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have this. And one thing which is a huge peeve for us Malaysians is that you see, if you look at our governments and all that throughout the years, it's always been about dynastic leadership. Uh, so now that we've come to this point where we are, we think, well, you know, we've never really trained, groomed young people to become leaders. They become more like supporters. You know, they'll support you as a prime minister, etc., or a minister. But a step in into a role of a prime minister or a minister is a different ball game altogether. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Dina, I've uh, seen some analysis of women and politics in Malaysia. Uh -huh. And one that I, uh, that I came across said that women would rather delve into business, be yes. leaders in the economic sector, but uh -huh. they don't really like politics because yes. of culture, religion, and, and other cultural factors so it is the women themselves who are not inclined to delve yeah. into politics because they think it's it's dirty right i was just thinking that that kind of positioning is a positioning that our guest for today yeah. is uh. not going to like very much at all <laughs> No, I think that, you know, in Malaysia, right, what you say is right. And it's not just in the political realm. Mm. There is a study where, you know, you get women who do really well in the corporate sector. Mm -hmm. And after that, they stop and they drop off. And then after that, maybe like when the kids have grown up and grown up, they try to re-enter the workforce. Having said that, we're not seeing that motherhood and mothering do not give you new skills. It's no yes. joke bringing up a household. Yeah. But when you talk about business, for example, or the corporate world where things change by the second. So you see that we have this culture or a habit where whether in politics or not, we have to be this good wives, you know, we're like, okay. Uh, we may come from upper middle household, but someone's got to be at home. Someone's got to take care of the house, the husband, the children. And that is really such a shame when you see a lot of talented women at whatever age they are, right? Yeah. Who could go so far, but they drop off because of the cultural mores of our country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what? Maybe 
we could invite our guest today to go yes, and please. do a series of workshops in Kuala Lumpur and other parts of Malaysia, think... don't you think? She yes, certainly yes. fire up yes. women in uh-huh. your communities over there because our guest yeah. today has yeah. not only been a keen observer of the struggle uh-huh. to empower women and girls, but uh-huh. has also successfully participated in politics. Our ah. guest, yeah, our guest is none other than Commissioner Maria Rowena Guanzon of the Commission on Elections of the Philippines, a lawyer uh-huh. and a former professor at the top-rated University of the Philippines College of Law. She has been mayor of her hometown, Cadiz City, in Negros Occidental. In fact, I first met Commissioner Guanzon, we call her Combing. I first met her when I was campaigning for my mom, who was uh-huh. running for Senate. So Senator uh, Rasul was uh, campaigning, and Combing was one of her staunch supporters. And we always thank uh, Commissioner Guanson for that. Right. So Commissioner Guanson has also been a commissioner in the Commission on Audit and right. is a very staunch feminist. So Great. you and I, let's welcome Commissioner Maria Buena oh, yes. popularly called Combing. Welcome to She Talks Peace, Combing. Yes, I am looking forward to this discussion. You know, Dina, the Philippines has really made strides in promoting and increasing women's participation in politics and governance. In fact, uh-huh. as, I said, as I said earlier, two women have occupied the highest position in government as president of the republic the late yes. Corazon C. Aquino, and the now Congresswoman Gloria Macapagal-Arroyo. There has been uh-huh. an increase in number of women elected to local government and national offices. Our yes. vice president today is a woman, uh, Lenny Robredo. And as I told you earlier, leading the list of potential presidential candidates for the 2022 elections are women. But, you know, in spite of these milestones, there's still a very wide gap in terms of the level of political representation of uh, women. And women yeah. are greatly underrepresented. And Commissioner Guanzon, Combing, has been decrying this for the, uh-huh. the years that she's uh, been in politics and in Comelec. So, Combing, what has your experience been in pushing for the political representation of women, especially now that you're in Comelec? Well, for six years, I started when I headed the Gender and Development Committee of the Commission on Elections. My conclusion is this, because political dynasty rule Philippine uh, politics, it is very, very hard, almost impossible to have reforms to abolish political dynasties. Also, it's very hard to have a law that can uh, give quota for women and give them a quota, you know, in terms of seats in uh, Congress. So we've been trying to ask political parties to voluntarily, you know, just add more women to their list or their Mm -hmm. candidates but with uh, no uh, significant results. The only good thing that I can see about political dynasties in the Philippines is that it increases the uh, participation of women in Congress and in uh, high local government posts. Because of the three-term rule, 
the men have to um, disqualify, are disqualified after three terms. So they let their wives run or sisters run, as long as they have the same family name, uh, run for the seat in Congress or for governor, for example. So that's one way for Filipino women to join politics is really because of political dynasty. So when you analyze women's participation in politics in the Philippines, it's really not just gender, but class, because the elections are expensive. And uh, politics here is, is a family business. It's inherited by the elite, save, of course, for the barrio positions. If you look at the number of women in elected offices, there are more in the local government positions because it's easier to win there. In Congress, uh, the House of Representatives, for example, the highest we got was uh, almost 30% last Congress because the men were disqualified because they finished their three-term uh, terms already. So they had three straight years, mm -hmm. times three, nine years. So they had to be disqualified. So they let their sisters or their wives take over. But the wives, generally the wives do better, actually. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Really? Because, uh, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, for example, there's one uh, congresswoman who took over from her husband, Kimbo, who has a PhD in economics in UP. And uh, just the pandemic hit. And, you know, they're talking about money, budget, borrowing money. And, Estella. Uh, yes, and congresswoman professor. Mm. was just right on the money. I mean, she was the only one who could explain it to them and to the people. Well, she, I said that's one entry. Yeah. So now we're back to about 20% again, which is our national average. There are 20% women in elective offices in the Philippines on the average every, every cycle. And, uh, well, culture, yeah. But, you know, uh, it was uh, Congresswoman uh, Stella who told me this. One of the things that she she noted is that childcare in the Philippines is cheap. So cheap. yes, cheap compared to other countries, like me, compared to Malaysia. And so we can have other women take care of our children. And we can run for office, and that's one reason why we have a lot of uh, women running and winning seats in the local government positions. No? Because, mm -hmm. of course, our, our our aunts, our mothers, our grandmothers, and relatives, and, of course, our helpers take care of our children so the we, we women can run for office. So I think that's true generally because um, generally taking care of children, it's really a culture in the Philippines. 
Yeah, as so, as it is also in Malaysia. But Kombing, you've always had this uh, idea, this advocacy to do training of women so that they can become politically engaged and start participating, not essentially to run for office, but to be part of the decision-making process. So how's that coming along? How do we move women to become more active in the political process? Well, uh, there's a study that says our gender gap is okay. I mean, we're in, we're in top, top seven, I think. But you look at that, if, I think that's that's because uh, rich women can run for office and get top position. So I think that's very important that at the grassroots level, even if women cannot run for office or can't win seats, if they can be influential in terms of uh, organizing a mass base. For example, we are now in the commission elections, we're now getting requests for our opinion on the sectoral representation in the local government council. So the city and town councils, can, there, there are seats now for women, uh, labor, for example, and, uh, well, youth, young people, we now have seats, but specifically uh, women and labor sector. So that's one opportunity. I'm saying that if we do a lot of organizing in the grassroots level, then women can participate in their communities because uh, in the higher level in Congress, running for office, women who don't have money cannot participate there. So I think we should put our energies and funding on uh, training women at the um, local government level because they, they, the probability that they can win seats there is higher than running for say, a seat in Congress. In six years, in, for six years in the commission elections, we have been going around provinces, talking to women leaders and conducting um, gender and equality seminars focused on, on politics and political leadership. But, you know, the commission and elections can only do so much. I think that really the non-government organizations should partner with the local government units who have the funding. Uh, to do this. I think the source of fund is the development fund, which is 5% of their internal revenue allotment for every city or town. That's a big opportunity there, which the non-government organizations can uh, take advantage of, you know, in terms of, of training women. Because if you keep on training women in the community level, the local government, then you have to spread it out according to, you know, to have a widespread spectrum of age. So that at every cycle, every three-year election, you have women who are moving up in age and moving up in expertise and community exposure. Well, another opportunity is for young women these days is uh, social media because it's mm. cheaper now to run for office mm -hmm. because of social media. Now, about 40% of our voters are, no, 60% of our voters are below 45 years old and you know maybe 70 percent of them own smartphones so social media really is um, the uh, key method of for campaigning mm -hmm. in this uh, election especially the pandemic because tv you know is expensive it's around eight hundred thousand per 30 seconds <laughs> yeah i remember that radio is expensive radio bombo is like six thousand pesos Yep. Or like 120 US dollars for 30 seconds. No? 
So social media is one opportunity for young women, even if they don't have as much money for campaigns. So technology, the use of technology in elections and campaigns is an opportunity for women who, who are not rich. But they need ano eh. But I see young young women here in Cadiz you know, when we started the community pantries to feed them, to help people just get by every day. Because you of know. COVID. Yeah, yeah. Because of the pandemic, you know, people can't go out to work. So as soon as we had our vaccine, we opened our, our gate again. Uh, and then I, I found out that there were two young women here who started the community pantries in their own homes and businesses. And college student, and one is a young entrepreneur. And uh, these are young women who use social media a lot. So they were generating donations through social media and then uh, letting people know that they can contribute and they can help. And so, some like families, uh, some like another family opened up their, their business uh, front, you know, front building. And I saw in the Facebook that people were lining up. That was great. If have social media, we will not be able to organize and mobilize. Yeah. So I, I think focus of the training, one of the modules should be on how to use for young women, how they can use uh, social media for political campaigns. Kombing, I'm going to that point. I mean, you're, you seem to be encouraging young women to not just to participate in the process, but to actually think of running uh, using social media. What is the value that young women or women in general will bring to the political process, to governments? Why is it important for women to become part of the process and to become part of governance? Well, there's gender inequality now, obviously. And why is gender equality important? Why should there be more women? I'm being asked this even by commissioners, just so they're reminded every time. So I, I just keep on saying, the truth is the women are very smart. And uh, if they're excluded, I mean, the councils, look at the councils. <laughs> I always say, look at look at the city council. They're all men. They're so aren't you, aren't you embarrassed that they will represent you and you are all professionals here. You're engineers, lawyers. <laughs> you are uh, not chief mates. You are captains of the of ships. You're represented by people who, you know, you cannot even understand the concept of uh, supply and demand. You know? So I think it's important because women are really smart. And if they are excluded, then it's really the government's loss. Plus, the experience of women is different from men. As soon as we grow up, we experience discrimination. Even if I was not born poor, I experienced because I had three brothers, so I just had to dominate them, right? So that (laughs) you feed her, protect her, and entertain her. You see? So because my father was a judge and a lawyer, he knew that the only way that we can have equality is by law. So, but, you know, law is coming very slow. So yeah. that's why I'm saying. And if the law is uh, controlled by the elite, you know, while who are male, and then they're very slow. Look at that. The Philippines mm-hmm. is the only country that has no divorce law. Many of them, oh, many of our congressmen are philandering. Yeah. <laughs> 
They also want to, they want to give the impression that they are, you know, faithful husbands. So they don't want divorce. Yeah. We are the only country that has no divorce. Then what does that do for our women? Our women are dehado. Every time our marriages don't work. And I say this for because I was a, a Christ litigation lawyer. I went to court every day for almost 25 years, in and out for women and children. So why can't we have divorce? Because the men in Congress do not want to pass the law on divorce because they want to give the, you know, save their image that they are, you know. Controlled. The family has to be intact. But, you know, who controls the family? The men control the family. As it is, cannot give poor women justice. Yeah. Yeah. Poor women, we, never mind us rich women, we can hire lawyers, but the poor women, <laughs> if there's no divorce, what happened? They just leave. They just leave, they 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 get beaten, they they they, they just escape, you no, know? they leave their children. So yeah. I'm just saying Yeah, by the way, Congress is controlled by men in the Philippines and elite right. men. And men who believe, you know, they really believe this, huh? It's amazing. That's why I stopped going to their hearings. Huh? Oh, you believe this? I mean, I can't believe it. You believe this? Sometimes, you know, uh, the funny thing is they invite me there as an expert. Even when I was a professor, they'd invite me there in family relations, though. And then they'll keep on arguing with me. So I thought, <laughs> so I chair, well, Your Honor, I don't think you need my expertise. By the way, being Dina was just saying something about elite in the in the male dominance in Malaysian politics, right? Dina, does this sound familiar? Yeah, yeah. Commissioner, I have a question. You know, uh, hopefully, COVID will be over within eight months. In the post-COVID Philippines. What are the challenges that you see that will be facing women leaders, women politicians in the Philippines? And what are the solutions that the Philippines can look forward to? Well, I, I don't think COVID will be over for us in eight months. <laughs> we will not achieve herd immunity until after six years. Six years? So, you know, the pandemic hits women more yes. harder than men. Because we women have to look for food. Yes. You know the people, the citizens here lining up for to get rice and milk and eggs and canned goods. They're women. Very rarely that they are old old men because the women have to worry about. Of course, the men they're trying to get find some work. I, I hope. Mm -hmm. Really, the women. So the pandemic scenario, elections, women will be at more disadvantage in terms of uh, running for office. Because disposable income will be less for women. Because right now, we're, women are now spending their savings, right? You know, when you when they get COVID, and my sister, a, a, a judge, was in a coma for two days in the hospital. To, and you have to be rich to survive COVID if you yeah. will survive by the grace of God. Yeah. You have to have at yeah. least 2 million pesos divided by 50 pesos to get that in dollars. So, uh -huh. you know, pandemic scenario, it is harder for women to run for office because there will be, they will have mm -hmm. less disposable income. Mm. The other thing is that you cannot gather people. 
because rallies will be for prohibited, right? Social distancing. Yeah. You will have to limit the number of people in every rally. And what will be required then is that for if they if they don't have money for for radio and TV, is that for them to go house to house, which is very tedious. Because you need transportation, you need to be out of your house, away from your kids. You know, you don't you cannot work because you have to compete. It's harder for women. I, I just wish that they would really pass, you know, Congress would pass that uh, bill that they try to pass every time and they can, which is uh, to give uh, state funding for political parties that will fill the minimum number of women. Ah, quota. The quota no, no, system. Uh, funding, funding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. State funding for parties, political parties that have a minimum, let's say, 30% women in their state. Well, they keep on filing it, but of course it never passes. All the more now, because our, our government is in debt. Yeah. We are in debt with, what, 13 trillion? Mm-hmm. Because 13 of COVID. Trillion. So, I mean, uh, that's that's going, that pol- women's political participation is going to be like six feet under the ground. Okay. <laughs> When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. <laughs> That's very pessimistic. I've never heard you this pessimistic, Bombing. Yeah, but, uh, you know, when the economy is bad, aside from the pandemic, the economy is very bad. How is that going to hit women, you know? How many women are actually in the 4.2 million who are unemployed? Well, it's 3.9 now. Oh. But how many... Neda is not telling us how many women are actually unemployed. They're not telling us, but that's important when you consider political participation because money is very important in elections and politics. The trouble is, uh, I keep saying, because women don't have jobs, we cannot dislike Scandinavia. Well, they have a women's, they have a women's vote because they have a women's union. They have a women's that's union right. jobs. Because That's they're industrialized. Right. They're industrialized countries. So we're agricultural, underdeveloped countries. And then if but they what? have rule of law, we do not have rule of law, our economy will not improve. It all connects to how everything, you know, everything is like a spear in the heart of women. Unemployment, cha, injustice, cha. It's very hard to for them to have political power. So what uh, do you want government to do, Bing? Um, yeah. you, you already mentioned the 5% of budget that should be used to empower women. You have these bills I in Congress. I, 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 really, I, really, I really hope the next president is going to be radical because we hope, we thought Duterte would be radical. In fact, I did not disqualify him. Remember, 
Ah, you should tell us about that. What what disqualification? Well, Duterte, President Duterte was originally not a candidate. There was mm. another person who is now undersecretary, uh, Dino, Dino, who filled up the the form. The, this form to run. But if he filled up the wrong form, he filled up the form for mayor. <laughs> but he went to our national office, which is required for presidential candidate. Yes. So took me three days to decide that. But I think I made the right decision, our division did, and my father was actually very uh, encouraging. So my father was very brilliant man. Summa cum laude. Judge for more than 30 years, I asked him, what do you think? And he said, do not inhibit. Because they were inhibiting me. Mm. They were afraid of me. <laughs> do not inhibit, but do not disqualify him. I said, you know, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Thank you, Tata. Thank you, Father. I said, so I said, he's not disqualified, but I'm not inhibiting. And the other two commissioners voted with me. We issued an order that I deny the motion for inhibition. <laughs> but... <laughs> I did not disqualify. We did not disqualify him. So now he's president. I really thought he, he owes that. you. So Dina, the president yes. Duterte owes Bing a lot. A lot, yes. I would have to say this, Commissioner. Um, I'm sure having to handle your very interesting president, right, has been quite uh, an interesting ride for you. I mean, as Malaysians and other international readers of the Philippines news, we go, ah, he is a very interesting man. <laughs> well, uh, in fact, our, our former chairman was appointed yeah. also by the former president was impeached. He was impeached. So yeah. they asked me, you know, I said, oh, I also have an, I have an axe to grind about the previous administration. I was more senior, professor of law in elections and local government. I was like, you know, I was like your gold standard, but I was not appointed chair. Why? Because I was too independent. Not they because you're a woman? You cannot control an independent woman. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they cannot buy me, threaten me, or seduce me. So I was not chair. Okay? But he was impeached by the Duterte Congress. Uh-huh. Well, uh, you know, now justice has its way of working. I really believe that. I'm just saying that maybe the next president will be a radical. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe a woman will be president, whoever it is, Lenny or Sarah. They'll say, Do you think? I'll say, what are the chances? I can't. Oh, the hell. Pass the divorce law. <laughs> wow. I like that. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I can see it coming in guns blazing. Yes. Every one of them should win and say that. Hell, pass the divorce law. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, have of a quota. Oh, pass a, equal, a women's quota. Oh, yep. you know, I still hoping. I hope they invite me, you know, when they want to listen to people and to, so that they can have ideas about their, you know, future policies. But, uh, well, it's just uh, wishful thinking for me, but who knows, you know, who knows? I always say who knows because it's happened several times. Just when people think, you know, martial law will not, never be over. We just held on to it. We just lived, worked, fought every day and then yes. one day it just happened, you know? So you see, what is important is for us older women to keep on having the energy. <laughs> That's tough. The effort, no? 
to, to, to help more women, organize them and give them mm. ideas. Huh? You know, I get um, yeah, I'm satisfied with getting a message on my Twitter and Facebook and says, it says I am a so-and-so, I'm, I'm in college and uh, when I grow up, I want to be like you. <laughs> mm. oh, that's tough. That's really tough. By the way, by the way, Kombing, um, I'm part of this coalition led by Christian Munsod uh, calling for young people uh, to register. So the target is get 7 million to register for the, uh, the coming election. What wow. would your advice be? for young people to become active in politics? How? I mean, you mentioned social media, but how else? So far, like, we registered about 4.8 million. And we opened uh, our election, our registration to Saturdays also. And now we're opening it in the malls. The first thing that young people should do is to generate more registered voters. Mm. Look at the model of Georgia, Georgia, no? which was a Republican state. Mm. They organized two years before and they beat Trump there. And the organizers were women, right? Two mm-hmm. women. In Palawan, when they have a promise that they, our Congress wanted to split into three so that these greedy politicians can gerrymander and mm. the one will have three governors, the people of Palawan voted 60% turnout in the rain. Yeah. In, in the coming storm, in a pandemic. But they went. And they voted no. No. Overwhelmingly, yeah. yeah. and the governor was surprised, but yeah. respectful. And I like that guy, Alvarez. No? Mm. <laughs> he owns BMW. No? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Look at the Palawan model. Yeah. They organized two years before, and they keep on thanking me in their social media. I said, I didn't do anything. But yeah, we just made sure that there's no, uh, what do you call, fraud there. We sent a commissioner there. It was very big. Mm. Make sure there was no fraud. They said, no, you helped us, commissioner, because you kept on saying no, no. Postpone it, postpone it, postpone yeah. it. So the longer we postponed it, the more they were able to organize for two years. Oh, that's so right. No one. So that's yeah. the model for elections during a pandemic. That can be done, but you have to, how do you make votes? Oh, how do you get the votes? You have to create it. How do you create the votes? You have to register. Yeah, register. Get the elderly people yes. versus get them in your cars. Yes. Give me hire tricycles, give me bus, and ferry them. Because yeah. they have a priority lane in every elections uh, office uh, and registration. Ferry them to the registration sites. And uh, now we're going to open the University of the Philippines, all the campuses, upon the request of our UP president, uh, Danny Concepcion. Comelec will open registration sites in all the University of the Philippines branches. That's a first. That's a first in the history of the Commission on Election. That's and, fantastic. And so we're, we're, because I said, you know, UP is the national university. It is the only university. It mm-hmm. is the only university that has a right to a prefix the. The. <laughs> you don't say the and then the university. You say That's the. bias, Bing. So I said, we should get them. We 
you should register inside the campuses because right. there are government buildings. Now, how is that going to affect our registration? Will that mean more young people will come because UP is a free, not hostile environment? I think so. I think so. That's why it's very important to keep the University of the Philippines free mm-hmm. from any hostile uh, forces or military or police intervention. And so organizing for registration, yes, then organizing for elections. Now, one more opportunity is the bill that uh, is now in the Senate, and Senator Amy Marcos, my seatmate, promised me that she will have it passed. That's the early voting law for persons with disability mm-hmm. and senior citizens. They can vote one week before. So our election is May 9, but they can vote May 2. So if we can, if when they have that, when the Congress can pass that, the president signs it into a law, that is an opportunity. Why? There should be at least 2 million voters. Yeah. They can yeah. vote ahead. And in a pandemic, these are the voters who will not vote, right? Because they're old. They're they're all they're they're in wheelchairs. They're senior citizens. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if we have the early voting law, yeah. yeah, around two million of them can can vote yeah. ahead. So these these are the opportunities mm-hmm. for for this uh, national and local elections in the Philippines, even Those, during the pandemic. Yeah. During the pandemic. Those sound like really doable um, recommendations, uh, Commissioner Bing. But we're running out of time. And uh, we just wanted to say thank you so much for such an interesting conversation. But we'd like you to give us a a minute and give your recommendation to all of the young women, the young potential voters in Malaysia, in the Philippines, and in Southeast Asia. Give us your thoughts for that, Kombi. Women must support women. Women must organize women because... No one will organize you other than yourselves. Organize and politicize. Those are the two words for you. Women of all ages. Organize and politicize. And who knows, one day you will have a woman prime minister in Malaysia. That uh, would be good. Inshallah. We can only hope. Inshallah. Oh, Inshallah. I help. I help. I help yes. So may the Almighty God give us the power. True. Agree. Thank you so much, Commissioner so much. Maria Rowena Guanson. And we're looking forward to working with you to empower, organize, and politicize women all over. Thank you so much being for My joining us. Malaysia. Thank you, Amina. It was a really great chat. I'm glad to have met the commissioner. I will see you again next week. Yeah, but make sure that you invite Commissioner Guanzon to KL and let your think tank host a series of oh, workshops yeah. so she Definitely. can, you know, galvanize <laughs> women to action. Okay. We will. We definitely will. I can do that before February. Okay, She's stepping you've been down in February. As commissioner. Okay. Oh. Yes, I can do that. And you don't have to pay anything. <laughs> Thanks, Bing. Okay.
So with those with those words from um, Commissioner uh, Guanson to all of our listeners, especially women who are thinking about the process of politics in Malaysia, in the Philippines, and elsewhere, organize, 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 and politicize. Right. So. This is Amina Rasul from the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying thank you for listening to She Talks Peace. Dina? Thank you, everyone. This is Dina Zaman from Iman Research Malaysia. Thank you for dropping in today and spending an hour with She Talks Peace. We'll see you next week. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.